If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 1 John chapter 4. That's what we're going to kind of park today. Um, but we, uh, can you believe it? It is the, finally the last week of step-by-step uh, sermon series. If you've been following along uh, at all with us, we have, ever since Easter, uh, we have been going a step-by-step process of what it means to be a Christian. And um, I kind of shared this graphic last week with you. And it gives us the different steps because we're basing off of Luke uh, 10, 27. Uh, he answered, uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And those are the two commandments of the, all the rest of the law fits on. And that's how we in- inherit eternal life. And so we talked about, first you have to believe in God. But uh, this is... You know, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you don't have eternal life. I'm sorry. There's uh, truth is truth. Uh, Gravity does work. Um, And so uh, you can't fight that. But once you believe Jesus Christ is Lord, what are the steps then to love God or to be a Christian? Well, then we next need to desire God, obey God, work with God. Last week we talked about uh, renewing God, your mind. Uh, using your mind to captive, captive every thought. And then today, and some people are like, Pastor Roger, you didn't finish the last step. What's the last step? I need to know what the last step is. And I said, come back next week. So today we're talking about loving more. Um, as a Christian, we need to love more. Um, that is something that we will never attain on this earth as far as having, I, I love everybody all the time, it's all good in the hood, right? Like, and yet there's a, guess what? People will hurt you. I'm sorry, this is a broken world. Things will happen. You're going to step on someone's toes. Someone's going to step on your toes. Someone's going to do something that's going to be hurtful and when that happens, how do we love more? How do we love others? Eight times in Scripture, God tells us to love others as you love yourself. Now, just so that we have a base understanding of what that means, how do we define love one another? How do, you, how do you define, like, how do I love one another? Is it to be nice to people? Like, I love you because I don't swear at you, right? Like, I love you because I don't, uh, I, I, I don't interact with you. I don't know how that's love. But love is not avoidance. That's not love. I would say that loving one another is not being polite it can be, but it's not the only thing. Um, sometimes small talk is a good thing. Okay? Um, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, how many of you, like, when you go swimming, you love jumping in the deep end and getting the initial shock over with? Right? How many of you like to put your ankles in or your toes in and start cooling down with the water, right? Maybe go a little knee deep, splash a little bit, right? You like to warm up before you jump all the way in. Um, 
When you go into relationship or try to love somebody else, sometimes it's good to walk through the shallow end first. Like, it's okay to have some small talk, talk about the weather, the sports teams. But if all you do is stay in the shallow end, you don't really get to enjoy the full depth of what that could be. You don't get to party in the deep end or do cannonballs or whatever it is because you're not willing to go deeper in that relationship. And I'm not saying every relationship has to be deep and has to be so meaningful all the time, but I am saying that you miss out on what God could have if you're not willing to go a little bit deeper sometimes. And so when we define what loving one another is, I would challenge you that loving one another means to share relationship with one another. If I tell you that if I tell you that I love my wife, but we stay in separate homes and we never talk to one another and you never see us together at any place or that, am I having any relationship with her? So am I really loving her? Or put your name in. If I say I love Bill Harrison, but then I never talk to him outside of small talk, is that relationship? Is that love? Now, a lot of times people think about, and, and this is a unique paradigm, when God says, love one another as you love yourself. Some people are like, well, you must first have to love yourself before you can love others. And there is some truth to the idea that if you don't love yourself and you don't value yourself, that you won't value others. But let me challenge you not to be scared or to think that I have to, I have to love myself before I can even start to, to, to love others. Like I have to truly love myself first. And don't be timid to not enter into relationship with others, even if you're trying to figure out how to love yourself. Okay? There's also a sense of... Because how many... It's a biblical scripture. How many of you ever heard of uh, deny yourself, right? Deny yourself and take up the cross. And a lot of people want to put that into relationships with other people. When Jesus said, deny yourself with me in, in our relationship. Pick up the cross, the things that I ask you to do. But when we go to, with other people, we say, oh, I must deny myself in order to love others. There's a difference between denying yourself and destroying yourself that you have to be careful of. A lot of times people will say, oh, I'm going to love you and, and, and I, it doesn't matter about me. It doesn't matter about me. And I'm sure if you're around any church people long enough, you've heard that quote before. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter. It's, it's all about Jesus. And yet, Jesus said, love others as you love yourself. There, there, there's a sense that if I, how can I truly love if I don't know how to love or if I haven't experienced love myself? Now, in a perfect world, you would have experienced that in a home. You would have experienced what love is, a caring family unit one that grew up and stuff. 
But how many know we don't live in a perfect world? We live in a broken world. I heard some stats this week that over 50% of the homeless people in America have went through a foster care system. And that 65% of the of people that are saved out of human trafficking, the ones that they actually can talk to, went through a foster care system. And there is a... We, we live in a broken world. And yet... How can we experience what love really is? How, how, how can I know what love is if, if there's all this brokenness around me? And that's why God's grace is important. And that we can know of love, because not because of other people at first, but because God loves us. And as I experience God's love and how it truly means to be loved, that I'm part of the family. And we have the picture of the prodigal son. Dad, I'm not, I'm not worthy even to be called your servant. Ah, never mind. Get the fatted calf. Get some clothes. You're my son. I love you anyway. It's not about what you do. It's your worth everything because of who you are, because of who I am. Because, of, because I am dead, you have value. And God allows us in his grace to experience the love of God. You might be thinking, Pastor Roger, this is a woohoo sermon. Yes. But can I ch- challenge you today that as we experience God's love, And as we learn what God's love does for us, the challenge is not to keep it for ourselves, but to love more. As a Christian, as we experience God's love, as we desire God, oh, oh, go back, go back, go back, you're so, it was there all the time. As we desire God, as we learn to obey him, Pastor Robin was right. When we say we're a Christian, yeah, we give up our rights. We say, God, we want you to, to be there. And, how do, and then we have to balance free will. We balance free will in the fact that <laughs> I have the right. I have the right to say no to God. Because it's free will. But... Do I truly believe in partnering with him if I do? Do I actually work with God or don't I work with God? Because listen, guess what? You're part of the family right here, first step. You get the fatted calf, you sit at the banquet table. Whether I work with God or not, I'm still at the banquet table. The, the whole idea of the, the farmhands that work at 8 a.m. versus at 6 o'clock at night. You all get the same equal pay because you're all part of the family of God. But oh, the joy that comes when this happens. When we actually get to love more and we get to enjoy the relationship of God with others. I have goosebumps on my arms. So 
like I said, what does God's love do for us? 1 John 4. We're going to start off with verse 11. And it says this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought, or obligated to, love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. Jesus, you be glorified. Holy Spirit, anoint my tongue. Let me speak your words, not mine today. And God, I ask that you would open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds, that your word would rest on good soil. It would take root and change our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that God's love does is it, there's a completion to us that comes. Right? It's there in verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we, if we love one another, there's a big if there, if we live, love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So as we love others, as we enter into relationship with others, God's love is now made complete inside of us. That's that idea of, hey, don't think that you have to have it all together before you can start loving others. That's not going to happen. It's only when we love others that God's love is made complete in us. There's a completion, there's a wholeness that comes in loving others. There's a working out of God's love inside of us all. And because of God's love, we are obligated, ought to, obligated to love others. We owe it to him. Because God loved us, we should owe it back. He's lavished his love upon us, right? And so therefore, we need to love others. Because we've received his love, we need to share with others. So how do you do that? How, how, how do you share love with others? How do, you, how do you tell about God's love? Well, th- good thing you asked. Because people will see God in us when we share his love. You want to know how people are going to know about God? You want to know, like, man, our world is, is corrupted and our world is broken. Pastor Roger, you talked about it. We need to do something. Yeah, you. I love the fact that when Jesus said in, I think it's Luke 9 or Mark 9, something there. It's a chapter 9 of the Gospels. Jesus says, look, the fields are ripe for harvest. Pray for workers. We've all heard that before, right? Pray for workers because the fields are ripe. 
Guess what happens in chapter 10? Now go two by two out. Go and minister out to those that need. Not only do we see the harvest, but then God says, okay, now go and put it into action. Go out. It's us to love others. And we do that by sharing our story about what God has. That's why we're going to have a testimony time next week. I love the fact that... (laughs) Can I just be honest? Like, I have ideas when it comes to sermon series. (laughs) Like, I have all of summer planned out. Doesn't mean I have every single sermon note ready. But I love the fact that, like, God's like, hey, go to this direction. We're going to talk about this. Okay, week six, we're going to talk about love. Okay. And then God just aligns everything and is like, see, this is what I've been talking about the whole entire time. Because when, when we talked about last year, tell your story, and we're going to have a testimony time, I was like, God, why do you have a testimony time on Potluck Sunday? It doesn't make sense. We haven't, like, it doesn't, what are you doing, God? And then God's like, because, ah, because as we share our stories with one another, we get to hear the testimony of what God has done. We get to hear what it happens. Keith Anderson, a president of a university in Seattle, says this, a theological seminary, a significant truth of the gospel is that our stories are uniquely given to us in order to help others recognize the value and uniqueness of their own story. Listen, I, I never knew yesterday. Uh, Brendan and I, we were looking, we had a question about how the good uh, things of something of cooked eggs. And Brendan's like, let's go ask a cook. And we walk, we're walking out to ask ladies uh, about cooking. And I was like, wait a minute, Steve over here, uh, if you don't know Steve, he worked 40 years for Toledo Promedica Hospital cooking. This is a guy who knows cooking. Let's ask him I, because I had a story with him. He shared his story at men's breakfast. Because I had that relationship, I now can go for more answers. I can have a better understanding of what I need to have. It's because the story is uniquely given to us, but then we get to see God in that. Our stories help us Imagine how the Holy Spirit invites us to partner with him in circumst- for the divine. A lot of people have despair or they lose hope in their current circumstances and the unexpected possibility of partnering with God becomes amazing to them. It's his love. How in the world can an all-powerful being want to use and partner with me? It's because you're his kid. Listen, I enjoy doing things with my kids. Because it's a fun, they get to experience, especially like when they first like learn a certain toy for the first time, right? And then they get all joy and it's like, man, we've been playing with Legos forever but it's his first time. And we get to see it. Now put that in the church world. What would happen if, man, we've been talking about loving Jesus, Pastor Roger, for a while. Yeah, but have you ever been with someone that's just new to the Christianity and just new to the faith and they get to experience God's love? 
That's why I've been love discipling with John. Because he's like, Pastor Roger, I was reading the other day, and I didn't know this. I was like, yeah, I read that 40 times already. Oh, wait, it's the first time for you. That's what is good about discipleship and sharing the stories with one another. Because you get to see it through the eyes for the first time. Remember the first love. It's in people's stories that others begin to see the grace and good news of Jesus Christ. If you don't share your story, it's twofold. One is you being willing to share, and all the introverts in the room are like, Pastor Roger, why would you do this to me? But there's also a part of us asking too. Why would I share my story if you're not interested? We have to be willing to ask and listen, not just tell our own story. Sometimes it's about listening to theirs first. Not only is there a completion that comes, but then there's a connection that comes. The connection of when we partner with God. It's in verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us his spirit. God deposits the Holy Spirit inside of us, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as a seal, as a confirmation of, our, of what we are, of being saved and being connected with God. There, there's that connection there. And not only is it a connection with God, but it's, it also helps us connect with others. Because I can be praying in the Spirit for you in ways that I don't even understand. But God knows. And I could be praying and walking through and literally this week, as I said a person's name, I would just then pray in the Spirit because God knows more than I do. Because it's that connection that we get to have with others. And I love the fact that as much as Billy Graham preached to thousands, Jesus preached to thousands as well, but he'd rather connect with the person than with the crowd. Think about Zacchaeus. He swarmed around a bunch of people. I'm sure Jesus probably had plenty of dinner invites. Jesus, come to my house. Jesus, come over here. Come to my house. Zacchaeus, we go in your place. I didn't even ask you. Fine. Because he'd rather connect with the person that feels outside than the crowd that's swarming. Or what about the woman with the issue of blood? Jesus, there are people touching you all over the place. What do you mean someone touched you? There was power drawn upon me. Who is that person? I'd rather connect with a person than with not. And we are connected with God because of the Holy Spirit. But this is why we, uh, the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering of others. And I'm not trying to preach about coming to a church. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is being connected with other believers in Christ. That's what Jesus says. Don't forsake that. Because we're all like links in a chain. Listen, a lot of times we have this example that chains are bad. 
but we're all individual links. But the reason why chains are made is to do something powerful, something that's unbreakable. If I have one link and try to pull a trailer, it doesn't work very well. It's just one. But as we are connected together, there's something that's powerful in that. But listen, I can't be in connection with you if you're not in connection with me. Nor can I be connected to everybody else along the chain. I'm not expected to have relationship with 7,000 people. I don't care how many Facebook friends you have. Okay, let's be honest. They're more acquaintances anyway. I met you one time three years ago. Sure, I'll be a Facebook friend. But at what point do we link arms with one another and link together and be connected with one another? We've talked about the uh, D6 model of discipleship. You have people that pour into you above you, and then you have peers that you walk alongside things together. But you should have other people that you pour into. And if you don't have anyone you're pouring into, then it gets stuck with you. And stagnant water becomes yucky. And vice versa. If all I'm doing is giving out, but I'm not accepting anything new or anything knowledgeable, I become empty. And I'm no good to the people that I'm trying to help. And if I don't have anyone to hold me accountable side to side that walks life together that says, hey, have you thought about this? Then I can get miscued. We're connected to one another. You have to be connected. Because if you're not, you're alone. There are some people that are like, well, I'm just connected with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's all I need. That's all I need, all I need. Listen, that's true. But God built us for relationship. I don't care if you're extroverted. You don't have to be the life of the party. An introvert has to be connected. An extrovert has to be connected. The problem sometimes, extroverts, they like to put on a good show. But they don't have very good friends. Vice versa, introverts might have very strong friends, but they're very limited on who they connect with. I'm not asking you to go and disciple 10,000 people. But if Jesus is the example, maybe we should strive for a dozen. And there are different levels there, right? Peter, James, John. I don't know where Judas was along the path, how close he was with Jesus. But he was called out as an apostle. Be connected. And not only does God love complete us, not only does it connect us, but it also gives us confidence. Notice in verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, And they in God. That connection piece. Verse 16. And we know and rely on the love of God. God has for us. God is love. So we know our mind and rely on. Do you rely on God's love? What Pastor Robin talked about earlier. 
It's out of a loving relationship that you connect with God. And out of that outflow, when you love with God, then you love others. Listen, I'm not trying to be the, <laughs> I'm not trying to make 45 connections, you know, this over here to there. And you all see the meme before, right? Like, I'm not trying, I'm just saying, it's a simple thing. As God loves you and you rely on his love, it builds confidence inside of you to love others. Confidence that I am a king or a prince, really. I am a son of a king. I'm not worried about this world. I don't live in fear. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? If you have perfect love, it should cast out your fears. Now listen, I see the gas prices. I know that there are going to be things that are going to come to pass. We're not stupid. We know that in 6, 12 months, things might change in this economy. But if I hoard things because of my fear, it's the wrong reason. If I become a prepper... Because I got to have ammo and I got to have this and I got to have chickens and eggs. Because you're afraid of what might happen. Listen, it's the wrong motive. Your confidence should be on God. You're Jehovah Jireh. Dad, where's the ram? We got firewood. We got you prepped. You got the fire. We got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? God will provide. Are we really, do we really trust God? Do we rely on his love? Or can I suggest the opposite? Maybe, maybe you don't have confidence because you don't love God. Wow, it got real quiet. Is that a possibility? Maybe I fear too much because I, maybe I'm, well, how are you supposed to question my love for God? Listen, there are different, different steps along the process. As I begin to work with, as I begin to obey God and I see his promises fulfilled, it builds confidence. As I begin to work with God, I see God's pour out time and time again. Listen, I don't know why, why sometimes we have an overabundance, but I know that there was, you know, a time when we got a $17,000 check in the mail for the church. Okay, God, sure. That's what you want to do. I know that the mailbox can have a check. But if I go to the mailbox every day saying, is there a check? Is there a check? Where's my confidence? My confidence is in the mailbox? No. Well, God, I'm just checking just in case. God, you are the God of cattle of a thousand hills, so I'm just going to play this lottery ticket because I know you can provide for me. Where's your confidence? Now, that doesn't mean that we don't think through and work, right? If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. I'm not saying that we just walk around aimlessly. Jesus, you're going to provide a sandwich for me. It's like the uh, story of the man who's stranded on the island. And he's like, Jesus, I need saved. And there's a helicopter that comes by. Hey, do you need any help? No, Jesus will save me. <laughs> you got to have some wisdom there too. 
But as God gives us the confidence, we get to rest, rest upon him. I wonder if Jesus went to pray when it says that Jesus went alone and prayed with God, if he was just asking for more love. Jesus, or he goes to God the Father. Father, I need some love for these people. They still don't get it. Oh, that Matthew. Whew, did you hear what he said today? Oh, you gave me James and John, those sons of thunder. They wanted to kill people. Gee, God, I need more love. At what point did Jesus, did Jesus struggle with that? Did he rely on the love of God? I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. People fail to get, a, to get along because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. If we want to drive out fear especially fear with others or fear of stepping out and being able to share and communicate story. It's just to get to know them. God loves you. God loves you. God is love, and he chooses to love you. Too many times we try to work it back. Oh, God, you've, you've loved me, so i got to work now for you. Listen, we might be obligated or it's owed, but there's that free will. And God loves us no matter where we are in the spectrum. It's whether or not we choose to allow God to love us. That's my first challenge today. It's to allow yourself to be loved by God. You might be thinking, Pastor Roger, how do I do that? How, how do... First of all, God's already loving you. It's active. He's already loving you. It's whether or not we choose to accept his love. It's a choice on our end. The Father is waiting for you. He'll run after you if you turn towards him. Psalm 23. Your goodness and love will run after me. Allow yourself to be loved by God. Spend time with him. Yes, there are moments when we have that song of, you're not going anywhere, so I'm not going to go anywhere, right? Jesus was teaching in Mary Martha type thing. I'm going to sit at your feet, Jesus. And then there are times where Jesus says, hey, I need to go to Jerusalem. We, there's a plan in place, and I, have, I want to build the kingdom, and we need to move forward. And so, God, I'm going to listen to wherever the Spirit leads me to go but giving yourself time and allow yourself to be loved by God the second challenge I have for you 
is this. Connect with someone to disciple. How many of you would say, don't, don't raise your hands, okay? It's a hypothetical, or not even a hypothetical question, but just an honest evaluation. When Jesus told us to go and make disciples, how many of you say, Pastor Roger, I'm, I'm rocking it. I am making disciples. I have five people I'm discipling right now. And if not, why aren't you? I'm not asking you to go make a disciple. Jesus did. It's your choice whether or not you're going to listen to Jesus. And I'm not trying to, to throw a dagger in there. Listen, I'm, uh, my heart is this. Love one another as you love yourself. If I want to become the best disciple of Jesus Christ, then I need to help others become the best disciple of Jesus Christ. That's, that's how it works. I would say that as I love myself, as I study the Word of God, I need to help someone else study the Word of God. If I, need to, if I want to pray more, I need to help someone else pray more. It's, it's about relationship. And as you work one out, it happens to the other. And it's a discipleship process. One that you say, yes, we are discipling together. And here's a simple statement of how to disciple somebody. You meet with them and you, you challenge one another, did I submit to God more this week than I did last week? That's it. Notice how I didn't say, hey, did you go and pastor 10 people this week? I didn't say, hey, did you go and be a missionary to 10 people this week? I didn't ask you to go evangelize to 10 people this week. God calls the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the missionaries, the apostles. I'm not, that's not my calling. But we are all challenged to disciple. Could you imagine if we all each one of us started discipling just one person in the next 30 days. I didn't say 30 people, or bring one person to church in the next 30 days. What? You're a pastor that doesn't care if the butts are in the seats? No, I don't. I don't. What I care about is, are you following God more today than you did yesterday? Are you discipling somebody so they don't perish and go to hell? Do you care? Do you love others as yourself? That, oh, I got salvation, but I can't talk to my neighbor because they're just weird. <laughs> Believe me, we all have weird neighbors. <laughs> okay? But it's the connection that you have with others. That you say, you know what, I want to, if, if you're willing, I'd like to disciple you. Pastor Roger, I don't know how to disciple. I need a class on discipleship. No, you don't. You don't need study to become a disciple. You just read God's word and say, hey, how are you living it? Are you living it? This one I struggle with. This one, I got down pat. Let me give you some examples. It's, it's just life together relationship it's not rocket science 
Now, what's next? We're going to go into the summer. You'll hear more about it next week, about the celebration of discipline. And you might be thinking, discipline? Why is that a celebration? (laughs) That's next week. But we're going to go through a teaching time over the summer about different ways that we can connect with God as we make disciples, as we move forward. Go into all the earth and make disciples. Go into all the earth and make disciples. And how do you do that? Go ahead and put that step-by-step process up there. I always wonder, I I literally remember asking Pastor Ben, why am I preaching the basics of what it means to be a Christian at Easter? Why? God, why are you doing this? Because he aligns this up. Because we're challenged to be disciples. This is how you disciple someone else. You go along this process with them. Luke 10, 27. Hey, you want to be a disciple? First of all, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Great. Let's, let, let me disciple you. What does disciple mean? It's a fancy term. It just means that we go into relationship together and we learn about God. Okay. Do you desire God? Do you start to obey God? Do you want to work with God? Do you use your mind with God? Now go and love others. Now this is not a step week. Like, this is not a 12-week training course. You'll be a disciple in 12 weeks. Cookie cutter, go. Now you're prepackaged. That's not what that is. It's like a year-long thing. Do a year with somebody. Disciple them for one year. Then, at the end of that 12 months, you find someone else, they find somebody. Because now they've been along the process long enough that they can start going back to the very beginning. Believe in God. And if you have time, you might want to try to do two. Jesus did 12. But he also did like a three and a half year like intense training program with him. I'm not saying that that's everyone's calling. Start with one. Hey, we're going to meet every Thursday, nine o'clock at night, six o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon, whatever day it is, your schedule, you disciple somebody. Read the scripture. Help them along. And then in 12 months, find someone else. They find somebody. The church of God will grow. It's not about this four buildings. It's the church of God will grow. We live in a broken world. We all know that. And if 1% of Springfield Township starts coming to church next Sunday... We can't fit them. It's over 360 people. We won't, this building won't fit. It's not about the church on this. It's about us being activated and moving forward, going and making disciples. Our, our impact is more than just is more than just what we think is current. But it's who are, who are we reaching out to and discipling.